Huh. It's it's weird that it's uh, and Merrick, right? Yami, Yami, well, yeah, yeah. Merrick has an alter ego too, and that's Yami Merrick. But like, I think it's just those. I guess it's not every so they Millennium Idol. Is it just Yugi? <laughs> Uh, it is just Yugi. I think Yugi's the only one who gets taller. I feel like there's a bit in this book where, like, um, when when Simon transforms, they they talk about how his his hair is gelled up, um, which is very funny. <laughs> He's just Chinese Yugi Moto. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two Dalek distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm Olga of Kiev, possessing Layla and giving her flame powers uh, because she met me in an MMO, like World of Warcraft. And this week, we talk about Shirin J. Shao's middle grade debut with Zachary Ying and the Dragon Emperor. Before we resolve our dad issues via Yu-Gi-Oh, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. You read a lot of middle grade books? Oh, gosh, I used to. I think this I might be too. the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. And I think it's important for us to contextualize the fact that this is a middle grade book. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but like, I think a lot of it didn't land with me because it is a middle grade book. Um, and I think we're going to do a, a thing that we try to do a lot here on Mortified is talk about why things did and didn't work. Um, I, and to, to be clear, I don't think that, you know, at least from my ride, I was like, okay, I can see where, where Xiao is like, okay, I have to make this for a younger audience, but you can also absolutely see the flashes of what they're they're like trying to to get at with like stuff like Iron Widow. I mean, I'm, we're going to inevitably be comparing this to Iron Widow, um, but like, yeah, I, I think you know, just want to we've you know, I just every time we talk about a book in in like a critical context, I just want to be very clear. Um, we're not we're not dissing the book. We're going to talk about why it didn't work for us, and I think a lot of that is just because this is not a book aimed for adults. <laughs> No, we are um, about 18 years over the fucking target audience for this, so... Right, right. And, but, uh, you know, I still think there's a lot to to enjoy about about what Xiao is doing here. Um, I have a bit of a plot summary, but because when I was writing it, I, I had a brain episode of sorts. So it's not great, but Layla, do you want to, do you want to help me walk through it yeah i can i can fucking tackle this one uh okay yeah we can we can go through it so uh zachary ying is a uh 12 year old uh first generation american immigrant he his family fled china because his father spoke up against the uh, regime there and uh his mother is a chinese muslim and now they live uh in the states in maine maine a very white state uh, and, uh, poor Zachary is a 12 year old just trying his goddamn best to fit in, uh, with his peers at school. Uh, and he is on the, uh, Myth Realm team at school because this school has fucking esports. And Myth Realm is very much, I think, as, as Aaron kind of briefly mentioned in the intro, is, uh, a blend between like WoW and Yu Gi Oh! It is a card based. MMO of sorts and you know it gets pretty competitive I think it's Um, also a little bit like Pokemon Go like I feel like there's an AR like location based element too there is because a key prop in this story is uh, the AR headset that Zachary wears okay okay Uh, So Zachary in the hallway of a school uh, meets Simon, uh, the only other Chinese kid uh, he'd seen at school. And uh, Simon, also a very good Mythrealm player who adds Zachary to his friends list. And when Zachary looks at his profile, realizes he has a very, very, very rare creature. Um, And this sparks uh, his friends to uh, want him to go and talk to Simon and quote unquote borrow this creature for their tournament. Uh, and, uh, a very important thing to note here is that Zach thinks, uh, the blonde asshole that he's friends with is, uh, very cute. Um, 
So we have a we have a tiny queer Yu-Gi-Oh player on our hand, and I love that. Yeah, for him. it's it's very funny um, that he <laughs> he has a crush on the Yu-Gi-Oh team captain. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I love, I love the future where you can be like, "Oh, the team captain of the Yu-Gi-Oh team, what a dream boat!" I I don't even want to fucking talk about it because uh, walking around the mall nowadays and seeing anime fucking merch in storefronts, mm-hmm. the emotional whiplash I get. I walked into Hot Topic with my friend and I saw a Helsing shirt that I definitely owned in two thousand six, just like being reprinted. I was like, "Are you?" <laughs> I almost bought it too. Anyway, so to be fair, when I was in the the age range to go to the mall, like that hot topic is where I bought all my anime shit. Oh, same. Yeah, I had a I had a Helsing shirt, a Full Metal Alchemist shirt. Hot topic is is was will be the shit. Anyway, right, <laughs> so, right. So, uh, for some reason, uh, around this creature, there's a lot of like odd tension. Zachary starts to notice that his friends are like a little too intense about this whole thing, and so they they go quite literally uh, to basically fight Simon under the flagpole right they corner him on the track and uh zachary starts to notice that his friend is getting way too aggressive about this shit and it evolves into a physical altercation and then that physical altercation escalates once fucking more when zach starts hearing a weird voice coming out of his fucking headset or in his head i think at that point a weird fucking voice in his head and suddenly realizes that he can bring down a goddamn rainstorm mm-hmm. here's where we get introduced to the fact that something is trying to possess our good boy Zachary Ying. And so he somehow, thank God, repels the possession and he takes his headset and he fucking runs home having saved Simon from getting choked out. And uh, at home, he goes to eat dinner with his mom, who's very cool, right? His mom used to be a scientist. Uh, Actually, this is the part where I was like, ooh, uh, baby boy, I get you. His mom used to be a scientist and now she works at Target and at the the university um, which I don't know if y'all know this, but be nice to immigrants because a lot of them are smarter than you. Um, <laughs> you know, my mom was a full-fledged doctor back in Russia, and she's not that anymore because of stupid things. So, um, yeah, so he's having dinner with his mom, and then uh, the landlords come down and uh, out of nowhere threaten to evict them. And uh, Zachary starts to hear a voice coming out of his headset. And when he puts on his headset, uh, that voice tells him to use the soup to fight off his landlords. But it's too mm-hmm. fucking late. They got his mom's soul in a fantasy pagoda. Uh, I was going to say, like, so Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, Xiao is, like, very open about, like, what their influences are. Like, you know, famously, like, photoshopped the, you know, the the Iron Widow cover to have a dual disc. Um, like, so, like, the fact that they're like, okay, you know what? You know the, the premise for the first, for the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime where his grandpa's soul gets sent to the Shadow Realm? We're just gonna do that to mom here. It's like, it's like almost exactly the same thing. The only way it could have been to more Yu-Gi-Oh! is if it was, like, a VHS. If this yeah. was delivered via VHS, <laughs> but this is the future, so you can't do that. No, you gotta, you gotta do it. Uh, they do reference hashtags a couple of times in this book, which I thought was very fun. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so mom, mom's gone now. And, uh, once Zachary, um, well, Simon shows up again, Simon, the, the other Chinese boy that Zachary met at school and, uh, Simon blows my poor little boy's gourd wide open by being like, Hey, um, so your headset now has, uh, the soul of the first emperor of China, which is who I was trying to tell you about in the hallway before you so rudely fucking walked away from me. Uh, Chin Shi Wang. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's in your headset now. And you have water powers. Uh, also, we have to go seal a ghost hole in China. So get on a plane. We're going to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is the breakneck pace at which this book this was all in the first 60 pages i think right the books i think the books i think i thought honestly that that is the slowest part of the book yeah Um, no for sure because like from there it just goes at a fucking clip it is it is incredibly fast paced and again i think this is because they're writing for a middle grade audience they you know does not have to doesn't really need the character development is really kind of here maybe for the bigger action scenes um of which there are a lot 
But yeah, I, I think maybe my biggest criticism of this book, or not even criticism, is that like I, I wish it had been slowed down. Um, but like it's not it's not what this book is going for. It is going for an incredibly quick pace. It's going for keeping a twelve year old's attention in the TikTok Correct. economy. Right. Um Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. So Simon does tell uh so the boys fly first class to Shanghai. Um and Simon wants uh wants Zachary to watch a documentary, but he also, you know, uh, you know, to, to strengthen his, like, spirit bond uh, with this emperor who lives in his headset now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon is also possessed by an emperor uh, by Tang Taishong and, uh, or Taishong, sorry. Um, but also, Tang Taishong, we've actually seen uh, before um, as Li Ximing uh, from... Um, Iron Widow, right? Same, based off the same guy. Um, he goes by Tang right, Taishan here, eyes. but like, but yeah, um, Shiming is um, it was his original name. So well, we're about to we're about to get another fucking uh, Iron Widow cameo. Yeah, get, yeah, cameo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when they land, they meet a very fashionable young lady uh, named Melissa, uh, who is possessed by Wu Zetian. Uh, notably, the person same name as the protagonist of. Uh, of Iron Widow. Yeah, we love um, a consistent queen. Yes. Um, I, I, my favorite bit with Melissa, I think, is this first bit where um, she is, like, talking to Zachary, and he's like, oh, wow, I've never felt this way about a girl before. Is this... Am I bisexual? And then she's like, "Oh no, I just used my powers on you." Um, yeah, I just that's that's Melissa, or um, not Melissa, but the um, Zotian's ability is to. Um, you know, she has this charm magic, which she's been largely using to, like, control bodyguards and her, her buff bodyguard. Um, but, like, it's very funny that, like, um, it's very funny that he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm still I'm still gay. Uh, it's just magic. She does arguably also do the most violence. I want to, you know, before we she's not just like the, the girl charmer. Uh, oh, she no, gets yeah. a whip that turns into a hammer that turns into a knife. And she is always the first to use it. <laughs> right. No. 100%. <laughs> so, you know, in true, uh, in true, uh, Zero and Zhao fashion. Um, uh, so, of our three characters, we haven't really got a lot of them, but, like, do you think any of them align with main Yu-Gi-Oh! characters? Oh, man. I kept looking for the Kaiba, you know, and I couldn't find him. I don't think I, you know, I think I feel like by the end, Zachary's a little bit of a Kaiba um, because he he is more like about power and control. And he has a relationship with uh, Chi Shi Wong um, in a way that like, um, like kind of reflects Kaiba's own, you know, willing to willingness to be ruthless. Um, But yeah, I don't I don't know that anything cleanly maps onto Yu-Gi-Oh characters. I do feel like Simon is a little bit more of a uh, Yami Yugi um or not yami yugi um yugi moto um i I feel like he's a little bit more like like the guy who who is like you know i i'm in control of this you know spirit but like the spirit is like fundamentally kind of a a good guy um although uh taishong is is maybe not super chill but like um i I think it's interesting i i I don't i don't know that there's a clean map there there's not Um, really a clean map but i also really i like the way that magic and these kind of like legend possessions work in this world which is to say like in Yu-Gi-Oh, it's a pretty clean there's an emperor in this pyramid necklace that you wear yugi you know if you steal the if you steal the object you steal the possession um but in this one it's very much not only are you possessed by the spirit of you know, the first emperor of China, uh, but you could also be possessed by, in that one case, a woman who's never existed, right? A legend of that right. woman who went uh, and her right. husband had died inside the the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also be possessed. It, it's weird. It's almost like it's not, they're not ghosts and they're not really the people that they claim to be, but they're a mix of like magic and memory and legend. And yeah. towards the end of the book, there's this, you know, uh, kind of a side where Zetian uh, 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 apparently has memories that of things that could have happened, but she's not sure they're real. Right. And then she's missing some other stuff. And I was like, that's neat because it kind of impl- it, it implies that they're not ghosts. It mm-hmm. implies that they're kind of this like cosmic soup. 
Right, right. And like that's that's something that um Shao like explicitly wanted to do is like about how how the the Chinese pantheon of gods like is is ever changing um and how some people just like start being revered as gods because like that's just how, you know, they they were talked about, you know, once once you get back, you know, a certain amount of, of distance from any like famous figure, you know, it's like okay, they're they're kind of like almost godly at, at some point and like the fact that there is a mutability to that and and this is a story very much about how like, you know, the gods are as strong as the people who believe in them are um which is really cool um but yeah this is this is an interesting you know interesting thing one one thing that is very clearly like a direct Yu-Gi-Oh archetype is jason uh jason uh, shun um because like he is very clearly like the, the tech billionaire who who you know founded mythrealm like the company um that that the owns the yeah, he's just Pegasus, he's and like he Pegasus. he's being possessed by an evil spirit um, that is, um, you know, definitely like like super powerful and evil. Which leads me to a question: Is there a Yami Pegasus? This is something I don't remember from Yu Gi Oh at all. I don't but like, think so. I don't think there's a Yami Pegasus, right? I think it's just Bakura and, and Yu Gi, right? I think it's just Bakura and Yu Gi that get like straight up possessed. Yeah. Huh. It's it's weird that it's uh, and Merrick, right? Yami, Yam, well, yeah, yeah. Merrick has an alter ego too, and that's Yami Merrick. But like, I think it's just those. I guess it's not every. So they Millennium all get taller, or is it just Yugi? <laughs> uh, it is just Yugi. I think Yugi's the only one who gets taller. I feel like there's a bit in this book where like, um, when when Simon transforms, they they talk about how his his hair is gelled up, um, <laughs> which is very funny. <laughs> He's just Chinese Yugi Moto. Um, but like, um, very, very funny. Um, man, Yu-Gi-Oh was good, man. I mean, it wasn't, we watched it. We watched it so many mortifieds ago and it, it takes, it takes so many episodes to, to really understand the nuances of, but man, I Yu-Gi-Oh was good. If we ever have a Patreon, maybe that's what we'll do. We'll just, we'll, we'll push through Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I would love to do a, a Yu-Gi-Oh retrospective. That would be great. A Yu-Gi-Oh watch? Man. Yeah, no. Listen, I got really into Yu-Gi-Oh in 2018 for some reason. I built the whole deck and everything. It was awesome. Uh, shout out to my friend Ange who sent me Yu-Gi-Oh cards for some reason in my gift parcel from a month ago. <laughs> now I just have Yu-Gi-Oh cards again. Hell um, yeah. Shout out uh, to Ange. Shout out to Ange. And uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, they land Sha- Shanghai. Uh, the Melissa's there. They have a henchwoman. It's all hunky-dory. Uh, except, oopsie, poopsie, Zachary messed up his possession. So Emperor uh, Chin didn't actually, like, bond with him. So he lives in his headset now and appears to him <laughs> as a digital teenage boy. Uh, so to not good. scare him. I, my favorite scene with Emperor Chen, I think, is when they're, they're standing on a boat and Emperor Chen is, like, making his own robes flap in the wind because mm-hmm. he can't mm-hmm. feel the wind. And I'm like, that's the kind of commitment to melodrama that I think I appreciate in a, in, in a person. Right. Um, so, uh, to, in order to make Zachary's bond stronger because he can't even manifest an itsy-bitsy sword, he can't even make a spirit sword? Boo. He has to go strengthen his uh, relationship, spiritual relationship with Emperor Chen, which requires them breaking into the Shanghai Museum and holding a measuring cup. Yes, you heard me. A measuring cup. Because Emperor Chen standardized uh, all the measurements in China, which I thought was a cool little bit of history that you get to learn um, about how the Warring States era ended. Anyway, so they go, uh, and of course, they're getting attacked while they go uh, by a deceased assassin, and you learn some uh, fun history about the first assassination attempt of Emperor Chin. Um, and I did like, so So part of the gimmick here is that Zack gets a lot of information delivered via his headset, like he gets little tooltips from Emperor Chin who lives in his headset, and he sees mm-hmm. everything as like a, a Mithrealm UI, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, but so... Emperor Chen is describing his own assassination attempt to Zachary via this headset, and I do like that it describes him running around a pillar. And then at mm-hmm. the end, it's written, do not imagine this is a scene out of Tom and Jerry. And then, <laughs> and then Emperor Chen goes on to say, the Yellow Emperor really, really knows exactly who to send to piss me off. <laughs> Emperor Chen said, pissed off. <laughs> Which I thought was just very charming. Yeah, um, it's really good. So they go touch the cup. It works. Right, Zachary can pull the sword now, and he stabs. Uh, he stabs the spirit out of someone. It's cool. They don't die. No one. No one really dies in this book, because uh, it's for chillins. Uh, <laughs> and unlike the Fast and Furious franchise, uh, children don't need to do murder uh, in, in, <laughs> in this fucking 
<laughs> Listen, we had a little pre-show before we started recording the episode. Um, yeah, y'all should watch Fast 10 before uh, before we talk about it here in a little bit. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, we're going to give ourselves a breather and then, and then go ahead. But anyway... Um, so, uh, yeah, so then, again, the book continues at a breakneck fucking pace, right? They go from museum, they have to, their whole thing is like, hey, Zach, we gotta stop. The spirits are gonna come out during Ghost Month, and it's gonna be fucking havoc. We gotta reinforce the plug. To reinforce the plug, we need this fucking magic seal. The seal, the Dragon Emperor has the seal, we gotta go get it. So they take off on this journey to go uh, get immortality pills from these, like, from the Celestial Court and they right. go do that and it's um, very dramatic because the celestial court is like hey you know who was a cunt <laughs> emperor chin he's not allowed here uh and this is this is my favorite melissa moment during while they're trying to get to the island full of immortals to get the immortality pills so they're so that they can't die underwater for a day um zachary's like i can't use my magic i'm too weak I'm still paralyzed from the spirit magic from the boat that was being used on me. And Melissa says, yeah, bitch, and throws him overboard. <laughs> I love it. I support women's wrongs. Listen, we lo- listen, that's that's true. Like, oh, yeah, Wu Zetian um, really is in that woman, huh? <laughs> yeah, Wu Zetian said this little boy is useless. And she chucks him. And of course, he comes out from under the water, fully bonded with, you know, uh, Emperor Chen. And then he very dramatic chase sequence, like takes them to the island. It's great. At the island, mm-hmm. he's in prison for a while. And it's very sad because his friends get to live like in luxury the whole time. Yeah, it's really sad to be like, yeah, I've been in prison for five days. And Y'all have just been living it up, but it's cool. They it's seem fine. shocked. They're like, wait, what happened to you? <laughs> like, wait, you were in jail? We've just been having bonbons and shit. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's because uh, Zach carries the spirit, uh, spirit of Emperor Chin, and uh, everyone hates that bitch. Uh, so uh, he goes to trial, and he has to kind of role play Emperor Chin to, to kind of garner sympathy. But, uh-oh, uh, he spills the beans that his mom's spirit is captured. Oh, no. Now they've somehow figured out that, wait a minute, the emperor isn't in the boy, he's in the headsets. You know what we're going to do? We're going to throw the headset into the fucking afterlife. And Zach dives in after it. Mm-hmm. He just goes in after it. He just goes in. Mm-hmm. And that further strengthens his magic and he comes out, you know, and he's like, cool, I'm ready to go face the fucking dragon emperor. And I'm also fed up with everyone's bullshit. Uh, I'm going to be mean now. Mm-hmm. This is this is where we see Zach's character start to kybify. There we go. That's starting, right. Starting to calcify in a kyba. Yeah. So uh, they go uh, start heading off towards Emperor Chin's uh, mausoleum with the, you know, if y'all have heard the terracotta army, all that shit's down there. Because that's where the plug is. And on their way there, stuff, 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 it's a little fishy. And not fishy in the way that Emperor Chin's body smelled when they carried it uh, rotting with a barrel of dead fish, as we also found out in this book. Um, Simon and Melissa are starting to... They're starting to act a little sus. Uh, they're trying to tell Zachary the story about Neja, another uh, mythical Chinese figure, and, and they're getting a little, like, dicey about it. Like, well, you know, and... I mean, Zachary's just sitting here proud that he's retaining all this Chinese culture, considering he's felt so very alienated from it this whole time. And he's like, no, Nesha, I can remember that name. It's all good. And um, through some Googling at their next rest stop, Simon does realize that um, the Yellow Emperor doesn't have the kind of magic it requires to capture souls. But someone else does. And it's through the same kind of pagoda he saw take his mom's spirit and it's a servant of the emperor possessing Simon. Right, right. Honestly, this was a twist. I did not expect that. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I could kind of tell something. Like, I think it's telegraphed very clearly that something's weird going, going, yeah. going on with at the Simon and, and Melissa. Um, yeah, I but, I but it worked it for that, you? Though. It worked for me because I didn't think it was that. You know, I, I didn't I didn't think it was that exactly, but I was like, okay, something something weird and shocking is gonna happen here. And like, you know, that's something that like I, I read stories for is cues for for reveals now, because I I try to write stories and so like that's something that like you know, I was like, Okay, yeah, that that makes sense to me, but like 
I'm glad that that works as a twist because like that, you know, I, I was listening to an interview that Shao did with with somebody, and like they were also like, "Yeah, this is this is such a big, big twist." And I was and I was and I loved it, and I was like, "Ah, I don't know if it worked for me, but like it seems like it is it is like pretty good." And like I think it also, you know, even if you do see it coming, it still works because it heightens the the stakes. It's like okay, now your friends are have you know, actually have been the ones who have been puppeting you this whole time, and that's actually pretty good as far as a character motivation because now it's not like oh, it's this nebulous emperor. It's like oh, it's your the people you thought you were friends. So. Like, you know, even if it is, like, a little obvious to to somebody who's looking for it, like, I still think it fundamentally works. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, yeah, it's obvious that there's going to be a twist, but, like, it, mm-hmm. I thought it, it worked for me in the sense of, like, I did do a little, like, surprise Pikachu. I was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> they captured your mom. That's nuts. And then Zachary starts uh, rightfully flipping his lid. Uh, right. So... At this point, I feel like I skipped over a pretty big part, which is um, they've been to the Dragon Emperor at this point. And right, right. They got right. the magic seal. Um, there was a, That was a very big action set piece, but the, the result of which they got a magic seal that makes Zachary very powerful. And the only reason he's the one carrying it is because he's not fully bonded to Emperor Chin, so he's not going to lose his fucking gourd. Uh, like the other two do. Uh, apparently, uh, Simon has tried to kill Zack a couple of times while he was resting up from that battle mm-hmm. uh, because he's he's being called to conquer by the seal, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was very cool. But uh, yeah, so Zack uh, starts figuring out that like, actually, he can call down a big ass rainstorm and be like, hey, um, until you wake up my mom, I'm not doing anything else. You fucking liars. Mm-hmm. And uh, Simon and Melissa are like, dude, we don't have time. We have four days. He's like, that's plenty of time. Get out. Uh, and he tries to compel them to go do it, but they're like, hey, Zach, the rainstorm you called down has grounded all the flights. What do you want us to do? And he's still mad about it. So he's like, fine, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and chill out the rainstorm. Uh, but you guys are still going and I'm not going anywhere with you until you do that. So Zach mm-hmm. does what any teenage boy would do. He stumbles into the wrong neighborhood and possesses a bike gang to serve him. Oh, yeah, I forgot. This is See, OK, y'all got to understand that, like, we are still like three fourths of the way through the book at this point so much shit is happening in this novel um like you gotta you gotta forgive me for not remembering the plot points you know do we even talk about how the dragon emperor they're technically working for the dragon emperor at one point um to attack the celestials no, I totally forgot about that because so much is happening during this. Right, book. like there's a whole bit where the dragon emperor makes them go fight the celestials, and like I completely forgot about that until I watched that interview this morning, and I was just like. There's just a lot happening. <laughs> yeah, so he possesses this bike gang to get him takeout and protect him, which I thought was very fun. And apparently the bike gang leader had, like, these hot girls sitting there getting paid just to validate him. And my Which is great. <laughs> poor little gay Zach is just like, they were here already when I got here. I just... <laughs> He's like, hey, please, this is... I didn't... Hey. I like how the, the, the second in command is just like, oh... Well, like, he's like, hey, do you, you should probably eat something. He's like, wait, you're going to let me eat? And he's like, yeah, dude, why? He's like, oh, our old boss didn't let us eat in front of him. And it's just like, uh, Zach, I just, uh, I love Zach. He's just like, there's a a whole bit where, like, there's a rude man who comes in and and Zach is like, he keeps coming in and Zach, like, has this power to command people. He, like, basically, like, he can give them an order and they have to follow it. But, like, he's like, okay. I command this man to go to the end of the line. He does, and he's like, wait, I was in the front of you. What happened? He like goes and starts a fight, and he's like, okay, I command you to leave. The man leaves, comes back, and he's just like, hey, wait, what the fuck is going on? Hey, I was in line. And then people are like, hey, dude, what is happening with you? And Zach is like, also, get out of here. Never come back. And then also he makes all the bike gang members quit smoking, which is really good. He's like, hey, this is stop smoking uh, forever. And they're like, oh, okay. And also, don't litter. <laughs> And don't litter, it's bad. It's like, oh, okay. So, like, when, when the, the, when, you know, Jason Shun shows up, the, the, the second it commands, like, Zach, Zach, like, Sama, or not Sama, he, he uses a, he uses a different honorific, but, like, he's like, Mr. Zach, what are you, who are you? And he's just like, I'm, I'm just a fucking kid, man. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah, Jason Shun shows up when this is all happening. And Jason Shun is, the, again, the pegasus of this, of this operation where he is, the wealthy tech billionaire who made the, the, the you know, the cool AR headset that Zack uses and, and Mythrealm and all that shit. And uh, he is supposedly possessed by the spirit of the Yellow Emperor. And everyone's like, the Yellow Emperor is evil and will talk to you in your dreams. And Jason Shun is like, hey, man, um, so now you've realized that Emperor Chen sucks 
and is bad. So why don't you come help me help let his son possess you, his cool son that you've been seeing in your dreams, who was like totally wronged. Um, and then me and you will actually open the spirit plug together because like it's actually bad that the spirits are all trapped. Um, and it would actually be like better if they weren't trapped and like your friends lied to you and I would never lie to you, you know, like I'm <laughs> cool. Um, so my poor gay Zachary at that point just goes, you know, what? yeah, fuck it. Let's go. And so he does let Fusu possess him and it doesn't go well. No. Uh, immediately the prince takes over his body and like forcibly moves it to the, to, you know, the mausoleum of Emperor Chen. Uh, where his friends do catch up to him. Uh, and they do have one last kind of standoff of all these, like, superpowers. And Zachary does uh, get control of his body back, but not before Emperor Chin uh, basically says, hey, Zach, like, I need you to know I'm serious. What if I kill myself in front of you, like my spirit, and scatter mm -hmm. myself to the winds to prove that I'm serious and not doing this for selfish reasons? And he stabs himself with a spirit sword and then disappears. And then Zach goes, oh, shit. He's not fucking around. And then he breaks the possession of his son. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of reinforce the spear plug. And then it's set up for a sequel. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, like, yeah, like, the, the plot of this I found very difficult to follow because it was so fast. Like, all, all of that stuff happens so quickly. Um, like, it is very, you know, it's, it's a little, not very, but it's a little strange to have you know, your ostensible big bad kind of show up here at, like, like, tr like almost the middle of Act 3, um, and be like, hey, you know, um, this is, like, here, here, here's the, here's the final moment where, like, you, you come and hang out with me, um, you know, I, I think probably the thing that didn't work for me most is that, like, the, the, the denouement moment, or not the denouement, what, the climactic moment comes so rapidly, like, you'd think you would come closer to the confrontation with the Dragon Emperor, um, but, but instead, like, the way that Xiao, Xiao was talking about it was, like, you know, sh uh, they got stuck on the, the Dragon Emperor bit, and so they had to figure out, like, how to, you know, resolve, resolve that, that, like, fundamental tension. Right. And... You know, I, I think I have a lot of sympathy for Xiao, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but, like, you know, I think this book is, you know, not not really hitting for me because I do like the kind of, like, when, when I'm comparing this book to, like, things like Iron Widow or, you know, famously my, my two favorite authors um, are um, Rebecca Kwong and um, Fonda Lee, and, like, you know, those those two, those people are have, like, you know, are have like tomes of, of history and set place as like setting and like are able to like build up all these backstories you know before um you know doing it all like set it, laying the groundwork up with a lot of like story and political you know history so that way like they can just kind of like make all of that work and click together in a way and like there's just no time for that in, in a middle grade novel um you know you know middle, I, I think this is probably the limit of how how long a middle grade novel can be like i like i mean this still must have been you know close to you know a hundred maybe amy maybe 80k words i'm not sure but like it still seemed pretty long for a middle grade book and like I think that's truly Shao uh, struggling with like the fact that like well we'll talk I mean like I think you know we'll we'll link this in the show notes but like Shao was very clear about like this was a book written because they weren't getting paid enough for Iron Widow and like that's that's ultimately why Zachary Ying got written is because you know Iron Widow started to take off um, you know and presumably what happened is that once Iron Widow started getting buzz you know they're like hey I I somebody probably contacted them was like hey do you have any interest in like writing a middle grade book or, or like maybe I, I would be surprised if they had like a middle grade book on deck. Um, but like maybe they had like this, this idea for it. And what happened was like once iron or, or iron window popped off, I bet, I bet somebody got in touch with their agent was like, Hey, write this book for us. They actually, um, they, in the afterward for, for Zachary Yang, they do kind of mention where this came from, which is to say like, this was a pandemic book. Okay. Yeah, this was a this was a hey, I'm stuck at home with my parents, or it might have been slightly before. It was very um, uh, their parents like it was a time where their parents weren't super invested in their writing career or like wanted an actual five year plan from them, and you know they were just like stuck at home during the pandemic and couldn't you know 
and even before that, just because they weren't making enough money and like really just like pounded out this middle grade book because one of their their friends had convinced them to try middle grade uh, or to write okay. for middle grade. So. Okay, I mean that that does that. I remember them them saying that, and they they're pretty open about the fact that like yeah, you know they they have a biochem degree, right? Like this is this is something like there. It makes sense that like their their parents would be like. I mean this is this is a pretty common thing among you know a- Asian parents, which is like you you know you do, you really should do something in in the sciences in STEM, um, you know discouraging creative creative fields and like you know it, 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 I'm sure that like once Iron Widow you know starts popping off, you know Xiao's doing fine, but like. Um, I suspect, you know, I'm glad you cleared that up, but like, it does definitely seem like this is a book that was written, you know, with, under a lot of constraints and, and you can kind of tell because I feel like if, if this book had a little more time to breathe, it would have been a little bit tighter. Um, but like, you know, for a book written, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, written also on top of Iron Widow's debut, because if this was written during 2020, you know, Iron Widow would probably have been already sold by this point, and they were probably having to do edits with that. Um, very difficult thing to do. Um, so, like, yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's a tough book to, to nail down, I think. Um, and, and ultimately, I think, you know, Shao should be happy with this book, right? But, you know, it's just we're coming from – I don't read a lot of middle grade books, I think, is what ultimately it comes down on. And that's why I'm a little bit, like, thrown by the pacing. Um, this was a log digression. Bas- basically, it boils down to, like, uh, the pacing was a little faster, man. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just Googling when this book came out. It was 2022. So, right, yes. right. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm going to – I we, we, you know – I think we, I can't remember if we brought this up on the on the call or not, but I do feel like this is maybe the last middle grade book we'll cover for Mortified. Right. Um, I, you know, it's, it does what it needs to do for 12 year olds, but we are not 12 year olds. So it's, it's just like, I had fun reading it. I think I would have had more fun watching it, right? In like the background, right. Lord knows mama loves like a, a children's TV show as background noise. Um, because I have fun paying attention to, like, how do you, like, I love Miraculous Ladybug, right? Like, I love paying attention to how are they reusing their assets? How are they doing this on a budget? How are they, like, maybe conveying these, like, nuanced story points, uh, to children? Which, I don't know if Miraculous Ladybug's all that nuanced, but, like, Owl Houses, for example, right? Right. So, um, you know, but reading it, it just, like, it moved to such a clip and you're so inside Zachary's head that I'm like, I can't relate to this. I just want to, like, pick him up by the scruff of his neck and feed him soup, you know? Right, right. Uh, it's it's just that. But otherwise, like, I man, I would love to feed this to a 12-year-old and be like, what do you think? Right. Like, I think a, a big comparison point of this is, like, Percy Jackson, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever read any of those novels, but, like... I, I read some of those when I was in, in grade school and I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. Um, and like, I think that if I had had something like this in grade school, I also would have eaten it up, right? I, I think this is this is kind of, especially because when I was in grade school, Yu-Gi-Oh! was like just starting to get popular. So like this one, this one, if I had this when I was like in the in the third grade, I would have shat my pants. Like that, this would have been great. Um, but like, yeah, you know, um, and that's that's ultimately where we have to come down which is like yeah middle grade books aren't for us and that's okay but like i still think you get a lot of like the the ambiguity like uh shao talking about how like all the the three emperors emperors that possess their kids like aren't good people and like there's a big speech that um that that uh chin shi wang gives to to zach which is like hey bud yeah we're we were emperors we we were genocidal maniacs like and are not genocidal you know uh you know they were they were murderous maniacs, but like, you know, um, like that's the price of conquest though. Right. right, Yeah. Like that's what happens when you become the leader of a state. Um, and, and, you know, brings up, uh, the fact that like, this is, um, you know, this is a, like, like this is not like you, the only reason you don't know this about your American presidents is because they don't teach you yet because you're in the sixth grade and they'll probably never teach you about all the terrible things you did. They, they did, but like brings up the fact that like, you know, he's like played, you know, um, I think he, he, there's a part where he's like, yeah, me and Alexander the Great and George Washington all watched American Idol, um, with Napoleon. Uh, <laughs> it was great, uh, I guess. Um, but like, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting 
you you see how Xiao is bringing in the their their influences of like trying like I think that's a big thing with them is like showing how people who are in power are, are like have to be ruthless and like you know there's a lot of like gray area right um um yeah exactly and you know they do bring up like uh the fact that a lot of U.S. presidents were slave owners and and, right. and you know those kind of like commonly buried pieces of of american history uh i did find myself and i won't go on like too much of a tangent about this but i did find myself kind of uncomfortable at points reading um i think once once the magic system was a little bit more explained in the sense of like these are kind of like again spiritual soup of these people like they're kind of the memory of them they're kind of them and they're kind of also legend and kind of also not um but then i got better but i was like i don't know i don't know how i feel about like personifying somebody who was alive you know and like kind of giving them a new like more modern life in a new context um and then the other thing i kind of kept thinking about was wow as i've gotten older i've become so disinterested in like historical leaders uh i truly don't care anymore of hearing about leaders it it drives me nuts like tell me about what the farmers did in some province tell me how they played games tell me you know like that what that one copper salesman that everyone keeps talking about from yeah 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 yeah. i want to know about that or babylonia (laughs) yeah I think Sumeria. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the copper copper criminal. Um, I want to hear, you know, I, I've become very disinterested in, like, uh, I guess putting people up on a pedestal. And uh, maybe that is just an artifact at the time that we live in. But who's to say? Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts about this book before we move into our uh, marketing minute? Um, I, I did think, you know, I, I want to kind of talk about who we think this book's audience. I mean, I think ultimately we, we know that this book's audience is, like, for is is younger like kids but like i did think some of the references were a little dated like i for people who are you know between the ages of like nine and twelve like there's like there's a leroy jenkins bit which like Xiao does a- acknowledge that leroy jenkins is a very old meme and like it's an old meme now um so i don't know how you know i i feel like it would be a very old meme for for you know people in the future and like there's a lot of things where the reference like the justice league or darth vader and it's like oh i don't like american idol like i've never watched an episode of american idol like i don't know what kids in the future are gonna be watching american idol <laughs> so i i think uh i didn't mind the darth vader because that's pretty current right star wars is still very much in well the that's because star wars itself cannot let go of darth vader yeah, in a real way and i won't like that's a whole other podcast we just, did three of them in fact you can go listen to them justice league uh still very much uh you know relevant dc is still relevant i guess uh leroy jenkins i thought was funny because uh even because Z- we you know this whole book is from zach's perspective even zach <laughs> was like had to think about it for a minute zach yeah like, leroy leroy jenkins leroy and then it's it's just Emperor Chin's memes being outdated. So I thought that was right. kind of fun, right? I thought that this, that's like, a good bit that like he is trying to be hip, and it's like, man, you are twenty years late. <laughs> yeah, you're you're behind, my dude. That's uh, a good way to read it. But uh, you know, American Idol also like is still on. So I, f- I feel I suppose like that's true. I don't know about your household, but my immigrant household loves American Idol. So my mom okay, so literally that might be. Yeah. My mom literally texted me last week or two weeks ago. There's some lady from Georgia on right now, like the country, not the state. Uh, and she's like, can you please text nine, ten times to this six-digit <laughs> phone number so that the girl from Georgia will get your votes? And I was like, sure, mom. Sure. Okay. So that that is a personal blind spot. Um, so, I guess I guess American Idol still doing well. Um, they still got money. I still see clips. Yeah. Every, uh, Katy Perry's fucking on it now. Yeah, I I did hear about that. She's recently. a judge, so yeah, shout outs to Miss Perry, I guess. I um, suppose. Yeah, so I I think the references are fine. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. It, I I I would like you know what I will make an exception to my no more middle grade books rule. If if some author out there wants to get a fucking twelve year old meme, meme consultant on their book, yeah, bring it. I want to I want to know what the twelve year old meme consultant has to say. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I think that, like, I would be consider reading the sequel to this if, you know, Xiao is like, hey, actually, you know, I had a lot more time to work on this one. Uh, this I wasn't writing this during COVID, so I wasn't super depressed. Um, like, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't, I would, you know, I, I think I might, you know, depending on where I am, you know, in 2024, whenever this book, comes, Heavenly Tyrant comes out in 2024, that's probably what we'll read. But like, you know, whenever the sequel to Zachary Ying comes out, I, I might dip my toes in, but um you know, ultimately, I think probably what I what I wanted to to, to stress though that like there is a lot of like um, education. Like this, this book is very educational, and it's specifically for you know Xiao said this explicitly. This is for kids who are Chinese American or you know not even Chinese American, right? But Chinese um, you know immigrants to quote unquote Western countries, like for people of the Chinese diaspora, um, and like. I think that is truly who this audience is and like trying to teach them about their history. There's lots of bits in this book where it's just like, Hey, here's a bit from Wikipedia. Um, like here's kind of a summary of, of what, you know, this interesting part of Chinese history is. And like, I do appreciate that. And like, you know, the, the the culture that I come from is, is more, you know, my my mom comes from is, which is Singapore is like much more heavily influenced by Chinese, um, culture than it is like by Indian culture. Um, so like, I do kind of wish that I had this, like, this is a book that I would have been interested in if I was, you know, if I was younger and it's just, uh, I've outgrown it. You know, I think that's ultimately where it comes down on, but like, I still love the fact that this is a book specifically for, you know, Chinese diaspora kids. Yeah. God, if I had, if I had a book about, you know, I don't know, some, someone stuffing a bunch of rice and meat into a pumpkin in the States, I'd be all over that shit. Uh, that is a, a fun thing people in the Middle East do. We you know, got a lot of rice dishes and sometimes we put it in pumpkin. Uh, which is forefronted in my mind right now because uh, I watched a Good Mythical Morning uh, where they, they were doing, I think, rice dishes and they ate rice out of a melon, which was turkey. And I was like, wow. I never expect to see like remnants of, of like my culture or neighboring cultures on the internet. But yeah, here we are. Uh, great. Well, I think you have a marketing minute for us. Layla. Mm-hmm. All right. We've been given the opportunity to make a middle grade educational book. That's something in the vein of Zachary Ying, um, where it's like, hey, we're trying to make a book um, about, you know, for diaspora kids. Um, how, what is the framing device that we are using to, to pitch this? Like this one is, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Chinese history by the by way of Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Mm-hmm. So what is your pitch for this, this uh, diaspora book? That you're trying to read, mm-hmm. or maybe not even a diaspora, but because my, my pitch is not, and I can, I can do mine first if you want a second to think. Yeah, please do. So my pitch for this is, you know, we love Kingdom Hearts here. We do. Um, mine would be like Kingdom Hearts meets all of the terrible things that America did that your social studies class didn't um, teach you. Like I think the first the first episode is like, um, <laughs> is just like, hey, George Washington why why are you a slave owner um start there and then work up to uh bush did 9-11 i think that's the last i think the last battle is george george bush (laughs) that's the episode episode title of the last episode is bush did 9-11 yeah you have to you (laughs) you have to go to the white house and fight george w bush oh boy uh, and then, of course, wow. uh, the the cutscene at the end is Dick Cheney is the the actual puppet yeah, master bot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. No, actually, the the fucking the Kingdom Hearts like um you know the thing where you have to fight uh Roxas and the the lingering will and whoever you know the ultimate boss fight is actually just fucking Henry Kissinger is the the final mix boss battle at the that, end of the game. That bitch. Uh, that motherfucker recently turned one hundred, and uh, I hope that he, I. Mm, He's got a croak soon. It, they're just—he must have some sort of literal soul engine powering that that heart. Because what a fucking bastard! Well, when he finally goes, I'll send you a bottle of champagne. We'll pop. <sighs> God, hey, seriously. Jesus Christmas. Anyway, uh, I think if we're gonna do a middle grade educational book, so <clears throat> I think we do historical Hunger Games. This is a conversation I had with Josh today. <laughs> oh, me and Josh Green like, are always on the same fucking wave. <laughs> okay, please explain yours. Um, we take historical figures who are presumably in hell, mm-hmm. make them gladiator fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yes. And parts of the challenges are going to have to be them facing the consequences of the terrible things that they did. I want... This is a great book. This owns... I'm going to ask my agent if I can write that. Um, <laughs> you are welcome to the idea. Thank you. Um, the conversation I had with Josh was specifically about American presidents. If once America falls, the necromancers that take over America should have to resurrect all of our, our presidents and make them do Hunger Games <laughs> was, was the pitch I have. So, uh, yes, I think... I do think Jimmy Carter should get to, like, host it. Yeah, he... That's... You know what? I'll allow it. Yeah, I think that fucking listen, peanut farmer. Yeah. He he's all right. He's I think right. there's some I'm sure I'm sure he's technically a war criminal, but like listen. Every American president is technically a war criminal. Right, exactly. I think <laughs> of all the war criminal presidents we have, he's the best one. <laughs> Him and the guy who was only in the office for like two weeks or some shit. Um <laughs> actually Okay. Sidebar about fucking William Henry Harrison. <laughs> um he used to be the governor of Indiana. Um and he um was actually a big racist and he killed a bunch of native people oh, and that's why yeah no actually fuck william henry harrison um i, I he is in i have him you know this is a for, for the super fans of mortified this is a little uh exclusive if you bought finley a midwest fantasy the uh the the bird king um the the evil bird bird king in finley uh that implied that he fucked a bird and that created the hydra herons um that's based off william henry harrison the portrait of the bird king is is his portrait so that's a little bit of uh indian history for you all folks here at the end of mortified wow what are you gonna do when indiana is no longer part of your brand at the end of this year i am sad about leaving indiana i'm straight up am but god all right. I, well, I want to see. I want to see um, Prophet's Town before I go. I should go up there. This episode has <laughs> gone so off the fucking rails. We got. We got to rate it. In. Yeah, we got. We got to wrap it up, bitch. Uh, all right. Take us out. Oh, Layla, where can we be found on the internet when we're not dragging William Henry Harrison? Uh, you can find me at leylses on Twitter and Tumblr. Um. If you want to know what I'm doing, I'm at AaronSXL on Twitter, and my website is aavoit.com, where I talk about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. I do another podcast with my friends Michael and Josh. That's at The Bible Boys, uh, where we talk about Christian media and either praise or condemn it. Um, we're, we're working our way through the History Channel, um, the Bible series. Um, our last episode was about Samson. Um, it's mostly it's mostly about a huge dude owning dudes and then falling in love with their women, uh, with the Philistine women. It's great. It's awesome. I loved it. It was a great time. Um, and um, yeah, if that sounds interesting to you, check that out. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how do we want to close this episode out? Well, Aaron, I would like to close it out by saying that the uh, History Museum in uh, Philadelphia has uh, two of Tang Taizong's uh, prized warhorse statues. And in the great words of Jiren Zhao, give them back, America. Amen. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>